Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Just anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Just let the Lord remind you that you are loved, that you're accepted in the Beloved, that you're, you don't have to prove anything or measure up or accomplish anything, that you are one with him. You are not another. You don't need to try to achieve or anything. There are no requirements to be one with God. He made you one with him. That's all that matters. What we're focusing on is that we have been, you and I, and those of us here on this earth for this time, there are things that we can learn because we have been given a soul for this time and a body, but there are things that we learn through the process of living here on this earth. So we want to value our time here. Not just to sit around and and wait for the end to come, whatever you think that may be. Remember that, that ends are often beginnings. We don't know what came before our time here on this earth. We don't know what's coming after, what's coming next. But we do know that God is a creative God. He's got a, a tremendous imagination. Think of of all the wonderful things that have been imagined by yourself, by others throughout time. All that came from God. There's nothing been created or thought that did not originate in him. So we are at a wonderful opportunity to understand the value of the time we live in. We aren't to be fearful or drawn into an emotional response. Now remember your your mind, will, and emotions are part of your soul, are, are make up your soul. There are probably other parts too. We're not going to get into really trying to dissect something that we don't understand. But we do know that our soul is where our mind, will, and emotions dwell. And that God gave you the mind and the will and the emotions that he wanted you to have for your time here on this earth and maybe before and maybe after. But those were gifts he gave you not punishments, not burdens, but the soul he gave you is a gift. And what do we do with gifts? We enjoy them. We open them. We explore. We do 
with them what they were meant to do. If someone gives you the keys to a, a brand new car or a car, here's your here's your car. The titles are in your name. Enjoy. We don't just let it sit sit in the garage and go out and buy another car. We say thank you, and then we use the car. And we use the car for what it was made for, to drive us around, to do errands, to take us back and forth to work, to, to do whatever we, were, we use a car for. Whatever other gifts that you think God has given you, they're, they're no more or less important than a car. God doesn't go, okay, I gave you this gift of a car, and now you're more special than anyone else. No. You just have a car. And you say thank you, and you use it. And God doesn't care whether you use it for ministry. That does, It's not more valuable than running to the grocery store to pick up groceries. Because that's what the gift was for. Is the gift is there to serve you. Your soul is there to serve your spirit, which is who you truly are. Not the other way around. We, this is, you know, when perhaps at some point in time we'll get into it, about keeping under our soul. Keeping our soul in right relationship to our spirit. And that's part of this whole process of our soul having set up its own kingdom, its own way of doing things, its own throne, separate and apart from your spirit. And God will not allow that because your soul was meant to be one with your spirit, just as your spirit is one with God. And your soul wants to return to that. But your soul's bad habits are in the way. Those are all things that God is dealing with. He's dealing with the hurts in your soul, the the wounds, the lies that you believe, your history, generational curses, all the interference from from our enemies, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are all things that God is dealing with. And our main goal and main responsibility there is to stay out of the way. It's like God is, we're in surgery, and God is the surgeon. And the last thing he needs is for the the person he's doing surgery on to get up in the middle of the uh, surgery and run off, get off the table, or run away, or tell the surgeon what to do. No, we... We just lie still and let him do his thing. While he's doing that, we are learning to live as spirit, soul, and body, as a complete and entire person. Spirit, soul, and body as one. And part of that process is our spirit, over time, as God is healing us, our soul is being reunited with our spirit little by little. It's not a it's not a hundred percent 
disconnected and then 100% connected to our spirit. It's gradual over time, a little bit here, a little bit there. <clears throat> Maybe there's big things that happen. You know, we have, you know, um, major healings or major understands and God re- reveals himself. But most of the time it's things we don't even notice. He's just doing things in- incrementally. Because remember, he's arranged all the circumstances in your life for that purpose. So your spirit, which is one with God's spirit, is reconnecting with your soul. So day by day, there is more spirit in your soul. And your soul is like a sponge. It's meant to carry spirit. It's meant to get its life from spirit. And as that spirit soaks into soul, your soul, every aspect of your soul returns to its original formation as created and imagined by God himself. And God created your soul to have power and authority and to exercise that power and authority. to not be subjugated to the things of this world, the things of the solical world, the supernatural world, and certainly not this earthly world, this natural world. We we are overcomers. You right now are an overcomer. Your spirit's already overcome, and your soul is in the process of overcoming and learning to live and move and have your being as a spirit. <clears throat> and we've gone over those examples where the disciples walking around, having spent time with Jesus, they had no doubt about their own power and authority. They knew they could call fire from heaven and destroy a village that they that had rejected them. Jesus told them, if you had enough, if you had faith of a mustard seed, you could speak to that mountain and say, be cast into the sea, and it would be cast into the sea. He never said, pray to me, and I'll do it. It's like, no, you have that within you. You have that power and authority within you. And then he sent them out two by two, and they came back, and they were, you know, surprised and excited about how even the demons obeyed them. They were healing people. And, And here's what's spectacular about that, is they were still dead in their spirits. They were not born again. They were not alive in their spirit. They had had not received salvation. That was all before Jesus paid for their sins on the cross, died, was resurrected. He was just walking around with them. And his presence stirred up 
their souls, not their spirit. Now, their spirit was becoming ready to receive just as, as you know, all spirits are readied to receive and, and to respond to God. But he was addressing their soul. He was getting their soul ready to be changed. So you and I, we now are often in limbo from the, from the teachings we've received. We're even given. We're either given a list of things that we have to do in order to be a good Christian and maintain a good relationship with God, and whatever you know, whatever a particular denomination has come up with, or we feel like a failure and we give up on the whole thing, and we even sometimes call ourselves backslidden, <clears throat> or we we just muddle along and wait till. It's time to go Go to be with the Lord. Be seated in heavenly places. Who's going to have the throne next to Jesus? You know, the, gold, the streets paved with gold and on and on and on. And yet, what is his purpose? What is his purpose for you here on this earth? Let's Let's be good stewards of our time for our own sake. I'm of the mind that God values the process, that we're learning something that he values, and if he values it, we value it. Because, again, we're one with him. We have the same nature. If it's valuable to God, it's valuable to us. We may not understand it or realize it or even see it, but it's valuable to us. So that's what we should be spending our time, our attention, our energy on. Not what others say, not what others have determined makes a good Christian. Certainly not what your own soul wants to be accommodated for. You know, your soul likes being in control. And the big thing your soul is trying to do is is prevent hurt, prevent rejection, prevent being wounded again. So don't try this, don't try that. So that protection is, uh, self-protection is a big aspect of your soul's need to control. Now, that need to control is God-given, so we're not critical of it, except that it's separate from God's purpose. So in the process of learning to live as a spirit with a soul and have all your abilities in your soul functioning as the spirit enlivens and as we learn how they work. And again, you don't, you don't need to wait for the spirit to soak into that area of your soul for it to be ready to be functioning. All those disciples walking around with Christ, even those that, you know, they all turned their back on him, and none of them were really Christians. They were just disciples. But they were all functioning. They could all raise the dead. They could cast out demons. They could 
you know, they had wisdom and words of knowledge. They could perform miracles. And they weren't Christians. It was from being with him and believing that, you know, Jesus told them, this is how your soul works. He taught them, this is how, this is how your soul works. And they believed it, and they did it. He called them, you know, into, uh, you know, walking on the water in the middle of a storm. Come on, come join me. All these different things. And they weren't believers. They were dead. They were still dead in their spirit. You and I are living spirits. We have, we're not just walking around with Christ. We're walking around in him. And every question we have, we already have the answer for. And yet we aren't living like those that came before us before the resurrection. What's that scripture about um, that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest under law? That's not it. I'll, I'll I'll look it up maybe. The whole point being that as soon as you became a believer and were born again and experienced salvation and were, your spirit was renewed, you became greater than Abraham, than Moses, than Elijah, than any person in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament goes all the way up to the resurrection. You became greater than all of them, than David, the psalmist, than any king, any judge, any prophet, anybody in the Old Testament. You became greater because you were a living spirit and you were one with God. So what do we do with this? And we're we're looking at homework and we're doing homework assignments and and please continue to do those and and write your own write your own homework assignments what do you want to learn because there's no right way to do this sometimes it's a, a good exercise is pretend you're on a desert island you've been stranded your boat went down everybody. As far as you know, everybody's gone and dead, and you're stranded on a desert island. You don't have a Bible. You don't have a a hymnal. You don't have a musical instrument. You don't have anything. You have the clothes you're wearing, and fortunately, the island you land on has lots of great fruit on it. Can you know God without a Bible? Can you know him without someone teaching you? How do, how do you learn about God when there's no accessories, when there's no examples? God speaks for himself. And we can step out 
we can learn by mistakes and by successes. We can try. And we find out, oh, this is how our soul works. And we can trust that God is doing his part in our soul. And trust that he is directing and guiding us. Every, every footstep you take, God is, is taking your foot and directing exactly where it lands. So we move forward and he guides the step, step by step by step. And through that process, we gain confidence. Not in, not in those abilities, because everybody has those abilities, the God-given abilities in your soul. They came with your soul. Everybody has them. But you develop confidence in God, in God's love for you, in his desire to take care of you, to lead and guide and direct you and protect you and to defend you and to encourage you, to meet your needs. How do we know God meets our needs? First, we acknowledge that we have needs that need to be met. And there's some things we, you know, there's some real downfalls in the Western kinds of religions. You know, there's don't ever speak negative. You know, the whole positive thinking, positive speaking. You, if you say something's going wrong in your life or you're hurting, that's negative talk. You're giving the devil place in your life, even if it's true that you're hurting and there's negative things going on in your life. God wants us to be truthful, the way the truth and the life. Because very often, it is those exact circumstances that that God is using in your life to get your attention, to reveal areas where he is healing you, where he is restoring your soul, where he is changing your mind, where he is bringing your emotions under your control. Again, restoring your soul. Not crushing it, not stomping on it. We're not. The goal is not to get the the soul in shackles, or so tightly tightly wound up it never it can't breathe. Your soul is a wonderful gift. Your mind is a wonderful gift. Your will is a wonderful gift. Your emotions are a wonderful gift God gave you, and He wants us all to enjoy our soul and he wants us to enjoy the process and part of that enjoyment is seeing what he's doing and we are so Christians you and I were so disconnected from enjoying anything about our soul you know it's our we're we're taught that you know anything to do with enjoying what we see well you know and again this is there's such a variety of of different beliefs 
There's so many different denominations, and there's so much hypocrisy in all the denominations. You, there's su- such an inconsistency, which is fine. This is all the way God wants it right now. But for you, what is your stumbling block? Just This is just for you, obviously, you and God, but you and your spirit. You already know what it is that's that's troubling you, that's keeping you from enjoying the gifts that God has already given you. We are to be the first partakers of the gifts God has given us. The the you know, you can have all your gifts up and running and be walking around just like, you know, and have all the power and the authority functioning fully in your soul that God put there, which is the same amount as as Jesus had when he was walking around here on this earth. Say you're fully functioning. No one may never may ever notice. Cuz that's not what's important. That other people notice is not important to God. He, his goal is restoration. And you will not be restored in your soul until all of your abilities are fully functioning. That's a sign. That's a signal. It's a, you would say it's a symptom of the fullness of God dwelling in you, in your soul. So this is such a unique experience for each one of us that be on that deserted island and come up with your own homework. Come up with your own way of learning things. What's the best way to learn something? To teach it. That's the best way to learn about anything is to obligate yourself to teach it. So how would you teach the the ability to heal? How would you teach that to someone else who doesn't know what the heck you're talking about? Or oh, the wisdom, prophecy, dreams, healing, anything. How would you teach someone how to do it. And there's going to be a lot of different answers. There's no one right way to do it. But that's the best way we learn is by teaching it. So you create your own homework. And even if there's someone in your life that you can either talk to about it in in reality, teach them, okay, I'm going to teach you how to use your ability to heal. I'm going to teach you how to do that. You can just imagine someone. Think of someone, living or dead. I'm going to teach you. How would you teach this person how to use these abilities, the ability to perform miracles? Think of, you use a specific example, like when Jesus turned water into wine. Picture how that looked. They were going to be embarrassed. There was, there was, he had a motivation to do it. So it's not like it was impersonal. There was water there. There was fresh water. How did he do that? 
all the way to to Lazarus. How did he he knew ahead of time that Lazarus had died, that his good friend Lazarus had died. He knew that. How many different abilities were functioning in him? He he emotionally refrained from responding. He didn't burst into tears when Lazarus died, at least as far as we know. But then he tarried. He didn't even go to his friend right away. He wasn't he didn't go to the funeral. He wasn't there to comfort Lazarus's family. His friend's family. He wasn't there. And he made those decisions deliberately. Because he knew what was coming. He knew there was a purpose for the circumstances that were leading up to his ultimate purpose that he'd been told of by his father in a variety of different ways. Did Jesus kill Lazarus? No, absolutely not. But the death of Lazarus was part of the circumstances that his father had arranged to achieve his purpose and his goal. And Jesus, just like you and I, was aware of those circumstances. Now, Jesus could have gone and saved Lazarus, kept him from dying, and he didn't. And this is one of the reasons you and I are still so far from seeing the power and authority working in our lives is because we aren't there yet. We are if if we saw disaster coming for a family or a friend, we would intervene. And we would say that's why God is showing us so we could intervene. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So these are the things that God is teaching us. And these are the things that God values. It's not about drawing attention to anything. God doesn't need your help. So write your own homework. Teach somebody. Teach yourself. Teach. you have any pets? Teach your pet. How would you teach someone else how to heal someone? So we will, thanks for tuning in. We will be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then... This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.